The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. chapter 14, you can turn there and then we'll stand in just a moment. Notes are being passed out now. Hallelujah. Lord's good. I want to talk to you and preach to you about dealing with what I would call delay. You could call it dealing with a spirit of delay, but I've just decided to call it Dealing with delay. If you're breathing this morning, you have desires usually. It's all kinds of desires that we have. Some of those come from the Lord. Some come from your flesh. How many of you know the flesh desires you should put down? I think the enemy also sows desires into our own into our lives. Desire. Desire that comes from the Lord. Another name for that would be vision. One of the ways that God gives vision is by giving a burden or giving a desire for something to happen. We have a vision here at the church is to fulfill the great commission to reach the lost. And I want to look with you into a text of scripture found in Joshua chapter 14. And if you would go ahead and stand up on your feet, Joshua 14, we're going to start in verse 6. And we'll read through verse 15. Are you ready? Is there anybody else that's ready? Joshua 14, verse 6. Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Caniah and the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought back to him a report according to my convictions. According to what? According to my convictions, verse 8. But the brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land in which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive. 45, for 45 years since that time. He said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old, verse 11. I'm still as strong today as in the day of Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there 
and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, everybody say that, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. And then Joshua blessed Caleb and gave him Hebron as an inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb the Kenizzite ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Heavenly Father, come, speak to us, change us, release all that's in your heart, we pray. In the moments that remain in this service, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So all of us have desires, as I said. Some desires are from the Lord, some desires are from your flesh. I think the devil sows desires too. It would take discernment to know which one is which. I found as you grow in the Lord, as you mature in the Lord, your desires begin to match up with what actually the desires of the Lord is. And that's why you can pray and he gives you the desires of your heart, the desires that actually the ones that he put there. Delight yourself in the Lord and he gives you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, I believe, says that. Well, what do you do when your desires, or as we said earlier before we read the text, the vision is delayed? What do you do when God spoke to you something that, that he, he gave, told you you could have, the, the hill country, the Hebron, the promise, but you don't see it come to pass? And you wait maybe year after year, and the business never breaks out, the healing never comes forth, the miracle in your marriage doesn't seem to come to full fruition. You, you know, your spouse is as stiff-necked as, as he or she was when you first got the promise. What do you do when <laughs> What do you do when the vision is delayed? See, why are you preaching this? I'm done with a series on Joseph was powerful. It's all available online. I'm preaching this to you because I had thought in my own mind by this time now today, almost September 2017, I was sure that I'd be standing in our new sanctuary up on the hill having full-blown revival with thousands of people coming and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost building another building somewhere else because we already finished our new one yet. I stand here driving past that hill that almost mocks me every day. And as I prayed and as I sought the Lord, he spoke to me a number of things. One is which, that we were in the midst of a divine delay. How many of you know that God has a timing and his timing is not your timing necessarily? We want things. We want it now. We like fast food. We like microwaves. Come and do it. Do it right. If you love me, come and do it right now. Oh, God. We, 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 we love when God comes through like that. And many times he does, but oftentimes he waits. And you pray and you fast and you contend, he's still God. You know, I, I, as I said, I stood under that full eclipse and I thought, he's God. And full eclipse, it's black. Nobody can do anything about it. And he's God. Yeah, he's totally in control. I called Dr. Morocco, as I said, and he said, yeah, he's God and we can pray. He's given us the privilege to pray. Amen. What do you do when your vision, your dream is delayed? What do you do? The Lord spoke to me, there's divine delay. But then he also said, there's also a demonic delay. 
And it's crazy when there's a divine delay that's taking place, but then the purposes of God are seemingly frustrated by an enemy who would want to try to shut up the church and try to keep them out of the public square, moved out of the schools, and moved out of taking one of the most prominent places in all of the, all of the commercial land at the gateway of our city. I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, if you think you're just going to walk up on the hill and, and it's going to be instant church, think again and make sure you tell your people you're in a battle. That we're in a battle. We've far outgrown this building. What do you do with delay? There's delays that come from the Lord. There's demonic delays. Do you remember Daniel chapter 9? He seeks the Lord for revelation and he fasts and he holds himself back from food for 21 days, for three full weeks, it says. And then when the angel comes with the, with the answer, he says, oh, oh, Daniel, you can look at this, Daniel 9. Oh, Daniel, uh, your words were heard from the first time you set your heart to pray and I've come in response to your words. Now that's encouraging. It's like, that's nice. I started praying and fasting 21 days ago, so what took you so long? And the angel says, but the prince of Persia came against me and hindered me. And Michael came and helped me out. And so now I've come with the message. Here's the answer that you, that you asked for 21 days ago. It took me a little bit to get here, of course. Come on, God's, God's not in time. He's outside of time. But we are in time. One day time's going to end. He says, I've come in response to give you revelation concerning the end things. And by the way, the book of Daniel is a book for right now. It is so filled with, with revelation. Perhaps the Lord will help me to preach on that through this next coming year. So an angel is sent by the Lord to give revelation to Daniel, but the angel is hindered by what is called the prince of Persia. We know that to be a demonic entity simply because there's no one that can, no human being can withstand an angel. In Hezekiah's day, killing over 180-something thousand and so this angel comes to bring a message and war breaks out. Michael, the archangel, Michael come and helps him and he, Gabriel comes and brings it, brings the that's a demonic delay. It's divine delays, there's demonic delays. And there's delays because of our own character flaws. What do you do when you're delayed? Let's look at this text here. Caleb is delayed from taking his mountain for 45. You think you waited a long time. 45 years is a, is a fair amount of time. So he's given the promise at 40. He takes 45 more years before he can actually fulfill it. Wow. Every villain, every, every vision in your life will be challenged. Every God-given vision will be challenged. It's going to be challenged. And you can, you can wind up in a tremendous battle. And I will tell you how I've learned to see things now in my life as I'm beginning to grow up in the Lord. Whenever I know that I have a word from God, I, I, I take that my hand and put it on the hilt of the promise of God's word. And I begin to wield that thing. And if I begin to get pushback, I let it encourage me. I love what my pastor, our senior pastor, Dr. Morocco says. He says, oh, wow, you're getting that kind of pushback. The devil must be nervous. See, some people, when they're, when they're delayed, they throw in the towel. There's people sitting this morning, this afternoon, in bars or at home nursing their hangover because they didn't get the breakthrough. They, they hit some delay, and they threw the towel and said, Don't you even love me, God? And they quit. The landscape of ministry is riddled with people who throw in the towel because they didn't stick to it. They didn't stand up against it. They didn't keep God's promises or keep their heart. They didn't, they didn't stand in the midst of the day in the midst of the battle and they quit quitters never 
and winners never quit. You heard that, it's true. And so Caleb was a man who never quit. And I, I gotta think that it was pretty discouraging to be Caleb at times when you're promised to promised land and you have to wait off for your neighbors to die. Can you imagine he's sitting there and just be like, die already. Just die. Stiff-necked, unbelieving, die, knucklehead. I, I don't think he was like that, but I mean, I think maybe he had moments where he's like, oh God, please let the generation pass. I'm getting older. He gets to promise it 40, 45 years later, he gets to, gets to possess it. You've waited three weeks and you're all ready to quit. I think I'm getting rebuked, praise the Lord. Come on, a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. You say, Lord, when are you going to bring it through? When are you coming? And he says, just a second. So you can do the math on that. When Dr. Morocco first came to Maui with a fire of God on his heart and a promise from the Lord that the Lord would build a large church that would affect the nations there. At 50 people, 100 people, I think, at the most when he first got there. He took a vote with the board and cast the vision of building a large church and impacting the nations and doing all the things that we've now done. But back then, you know, 35 years ago, he cast the vision. And then all the board was just kind of aghast. Except for Brother Pasoni. It happens to be Minister Micah's grandfather, it's grandfather, who stood up and said, whatever you want to do, pastor, we're going to do it. And they united with a vision and a cause, and, and they began to move forward. Dr. Morocco, back in those early days, would go and visit people in the church, him and his wife, Pastor Colleen, and this one lady had gotten really touched by the Lord, and he came to their house in a place called Haiku in Maui. And uh, they went in the house, and they prayed for him. The husband was there. The husband not come to church. And the husband says, you know, I've been here a long time. I've been on the island a long time. And I've seen a lot of pastors come and go. What makes you think you're going to be able to stay and fulfill what you feel like God spoke to you? And in his heart, he just wanted to say, I bind you right now, Satan. But he didn't do that. It challenged him. And many times when you have a vision, you'll have the opposite try to mock you, try to poke its finger at you, try to question whether God ever said it or, or did he really promise that? Or is it really God? And begin to throw all these things at you. And we can learn from the life of Caleb and many others about how to overcome, how to deal with delay. When is my wife, when is my husband going to, when is my kids going to serve God? When? Jesus! Anybody ever feel like that? All five of you, praise the Lord. The story of Caleb. You can look at Numbers 13. Numbers 13, we see that fear, now this is when Moses sends out the 12 spies. He sends out the 12 spies Two come back with a good report. That's Caleb and Joshua. You'll know that the only ones living now as they're about to go into because everybody else died because God had to wait for them to die. And 10 came back with a bad report. And they spread that bad report and it was the fear that delayed the vision. 
The fear of the ten spies robbed a generation from going into Canaan's land. You can fill that in your notes. Fear will cripple you. Fear will hold you back. And it was fear that was rooted, watch this now, rooted in a distorted identity about themselves and God. Now I want you to look at, at Numbers chapter 13, verse 33. Go there, please. How many of you know what it says in the word, I believe it's in Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So in Numbers chapter 13, verse 33, and uh, if we could put that on the screen, it'd be great. Here's what they said. This is what, this is what their view, this is what they believe. This is the 10 spies' testimony. There we saw where? In the promised land. There we saw giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. Well, what does that mean? That means they felt like grasshoppers. They imagined themselves to be so small, so insignificant, so powerless, so anemic, so inept, that they might as well be an insect. Were they insects, yes or no? no? So who actually were they? Now you say, well, well they, were, they, were, they were the, um, um, they were men. No, they weren't just men. No, they're not just men. Oh, they're Israelites, but what does that mean? They're Israelites. They were the army of the living God. They were absolutely God's hand extended to bring judgment on a people whose sin had come full measure. They weren't grasshoppers. They were the edge of the knife. They were the the tip of the spear with with the power of God, the hand of God upon them. God sent them in not to discourage them and freak them out. He sent them in to show them these giant grapes and show them all the milk and the honey. It wasn't a trip to go into the promised land to get them all freaked out about the giants. And so it says that we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And look what it says. And so we were in their sight. In other words, they became, because of the way they believed about who they were, they became grasshoppers. Grasshopper. Were they grasshoppers, yes or no? No. Turn to 1 Corinthians quickly, chapter 3. Their fear was rooted in a distortion about who they were. And I will tell you that most here, most, do not know who they are. And so, and I would venture to say all of us can grow deeper in a revelation of our identity in Christ. And if you do not know who you are, biblically speaking, who God defines you as, then you'll begin to define yourself by your accomplishments. You'll begin to define yourself about the clothes you wear, how pretty you think you are, how ugly you think you are. God doesn't make any junk. Somebody say amen. You were knit together in your mother's womb, no matter what society might say about you, no matter what people might try to pin on you. You're God's favorite one. He died on a cross for you, rose again from you, and that makes you pure, that makes you clean as you believe in Him. But many people don't know who they are in Christ. Watch this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And he says, And I, brethren, could not speak... Sisterin and brethren. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, 
but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you're not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal? And behaving like mere men. Everybody say, behaving like mere men. Okay, say this. Stop acting like a baby. Go ahead, say that. Stop. You ever heard that before? Okay, when you say stop acting like a baby, you're not talking to a baby. You're talking to somebody who's older than a baby. So you might say to a teenager or somebody who's throwing a temper tantrum, quit acting like a baby. Quit acting like a child. Has anybody ever said that to you? Don't raise your hand. Okay. So when somebody says quit acting like a baby, that means your behavior is juvenile or infantile and even like a child. When the Apostle Paul says to the church in Corinth, he says, I want to give you some, I really want to hook you up with some serious meat. I want to bless you, but you can't handle it because you're carnal. Envy, strife. You're behaving like mere men. Now you got to ask yourself this question. Well, aren't they men? In other words, man, mankind, aren't they... Aren't they men? Aren't they women? What do you mean, mere? What does mere mean? Ordinary, regular type. So the Apostle Paul, when he is rebuking them, he's saying, I want to hook you up with something that's deep and long and broad and wide. I want to give you some meat, but we still, we're still bottle feeding you right now. And I think the, the, the I think the, The milk of the word will bring you to a place of understanding your identity. And I would venture to say that if you don't understand who you are in Christ, you haven't gotten the milk of the word yet. You want the deeper things, you don't even know who you are yet. You're behaving like a child, he says to them. You're behaving like a mere man. Were they mere men? Here's the thing. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and he comes into your heart and he forgives you, he wipes, wipes away your sin forevermore, throwing in as far as the east is from the west. He gives you a new identity. You're no longer a sinner. You become a saint, a hagios, a holy one. You're cleansed. You're washed by the blood. You're made into a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. No longer I that live, says the apostle Paul, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 2.20 talks about that. He says, he says in one, one of the epistles, he says, receive us, we've done no harm. The apostle Paul did no harm. So he can write and say, we've done no harm. No harm? He was a Christian killer, right? He was a persecutor of the church. So how can somebody who killed people from the church, who endorsed the killing and the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr, how can somebody like that say, receive me, I've done no wrong? Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. He washes it washes white as snow. That means the one who, who endorsed the killing of the first martyr was cleansed by the blood now made in a new creation. He understood clearly that who was saying, receive us, we've done you no harm. We've done no harm. His sins had been washed by the blood. 
And that's why he says to them, why are you behaving? Listen, if you've got envy, you've got strife, you've got that stuff that you're cultivating in your life, it's because you have a distortion about who you are. You have a distortion about who God is. You have a distortion maybe about his timing. You have a distortion about, about life, and you need to correct that because envy and strife and all of those things are, are, are product of a mere man, and you're not a mere man. You're a child of God. You're a man of God. You're a woman of God. You're seated in heavenly places with Christ. Come on, he's given you every spiritual blessing he has but many people don't realize that and so they act like babies I know I'm maybe only talking to two or three of you this morning they could not enter into the promised land and they experience a delay to the fulfillment of the promise because they had a distorted view about their identity and they had a distorted view about God they, I mean, they, they forgot that God was good. I mean, you had to, they had to forget a lot. And they would say things like, oh, he brought us out to kill us here. Oh, that we'd go back for the leek and the garlics in Egypt. Oh, you brought us out to kill us. Let me see. God defeats the strongest nation in the world, brings them out, and then wipes out Pharaoh's army as he brings them through the Red Sea. And, and they say, they say uh, Nahamenides, a, a, a scholar, said that they received all the weapons that they got to fight with. They got from the weapons washing up on the shore of the Red Sea after Egypt's army was destroyed. And they, they go into the promised land. I mean, God caused bitter water to be made sweet. He, he, he gave them water from the rock. He gave them manna. I mean, when it's, when it's cold outside, there's a pillar of fire by night to warm them. Oh, when it's hot, there's a pillar of cloud to keep them from getting too sunburned. He made a way for them. He brought them, he brought them meat, a day's journey kind of God humor. Give us meat, all right? <laughs> Quail, a day's journey, knee high in every direction. Here's your meat. They had to forget all of that. And they attributed to God that God wasn't good. That God, that God had something out to harm them. They had a distorted view. Listen, you got to settle it today that God is good. He loves you. He's got a plan for your life. Quit, quit, quit attributing to God that which should be attributed to the devil and your own foolishness, your own laziness. Sometimes you don't get the, you know, you don't get the breakthrough. You don't get the miracle because you're lazy. And then you blame God. I'm preaching better than your amen in this morning. And their unbelief, their unbelief was rooted in a, in a faulty identity. It was rooted in, uh, in a distorted view of God, distorted view of themselves. And, and really, the unbelief was seen by God as contempt. Now, that, that's, that's a sobering statement. You see, unbelief fundamentally, worry fundamentally, sin. See, when God gives us a promise and we refuse to believe it or we can't believe it, then it actually can be attributed, can be attributed to him as contempt, disdain, hatred. Has anybody, you ever given somebody a gift and they just, I mean, it was like you sacrificed, you got the gift and you went to hand it to them and they're like, is that it? Does anybody want to talk about you? You know, you give them the gift and they're like, You know, you never want to give a baby a diamond ring. 
You spend thousands of dollars on a diamond ring. And you never want to give a baby a diamond ring. You know why? They have no clue what the value of that is. And they'll just be like, gone. Give them cubics or something. And big enough so they can't swallow it. Now, their unbelief was really a contempt for God. So Caleb speaks to us about how to fulfill the dreams, how to fulfill the vision in the midst of delays. There's this repeated phase now as we get into this understanding how was Caleb actually able to overcome delay and not just lose his mind and forfeit. And like I said, many people quit right before the breakthrough, right before it's darkest, many times before the dawn. How how was Caleb actually able to wait for 45 years? Well, the first thing is found in verse 8. Look with me, verse 8. He followed the Lord wholeheartedly. See, true vision from the Lord that, that comes from him, it, it's never going to come to pass for a divided heart. True vision comes to those who are wholehearted. And, and you've got to cultivate a heart that's undivided for him. A heart that's single, single-minded. Many times there's a delay because people are not committed. Listen, if you're not committed, if you're not committed in the military, you'll get a dishonorable discharge. If you're not committed at school to study and to, and to, and to do well, you can get kicked out of school. If you're not committed in marriage, you won't be married for long. If you're not committed in the midst of the training of your teenager when they push against everything that you say is true and constantly try to enforce what their will is because they know everything. How many of you know teenagers know everything according to that? I've seen people lose their kids because they quit. In other words, it got to the point where it's like, all right already, you think you know everything? Go ahead. And we all cry. No, you got to hold the standard. And even then, the enemy's a bad devil. You got you to you hold and, and keep in. You got to be wholehearted. You've got to be committed. I'm going to tell you, if you're not committed in your growth, to growth in the Lord, you'll go right back to the hell hole he pulled you out of. If you're not committed to learning the word, then you won't really know who God is. You'll never really understand who you are. And then you will forfeit your destiny and purpose. There's many people that will abort the call of God because they're not really committed to the Lord. They're not really committed to to growing, not really committed, come on, to tearing down every lie that's in your mind, not committed to dealing with that bad habit, not really hungry and aggressive over overcoming the things that'll destroy you, your drinking habit, your drugs, the sexual addiction you have. I ain't looking at anybody. You want to be busted and disgusted the rest of your life? That's easy. Just don't be committed. Don't be committed. Don't be committed. Don't, don't, don't do small groups. Don't, don't, don't learn about how to have a happy marriage. Don't learn about giving. And you can stay busted and broke and have a broken life and, and unhealed all your life and pass all the curses on to all of your little cursed kids. Is that too aggressive? It is? A little, little, little heavy? You want to change your life and you wait for God to come and send an angel. Oh, man. I, I just pretend I'm the guest. I'm the guest today. So, you, so you're like, oh, change my life, Jesus. And he, he sends his son to die on a cross and rise again from the grave. Then he asks you to do your part. The, de- the devil has already been defeated, but you have to enforce it. You have to stand up 
in your blood-bought right and begin to push him out of your mind, push him out of your thinking, push him out of your finances, push him out of your push him out of your body. You stand on God's word and it requires you to do your part. God will not come and do it for you. Quit being codependent and blaming everybody else and begin to change your life. Things are delayed for some of you because you're stuck in a rut of your lack of commitment and lackadaisical mindset continuing to nurse that addiction you have, continuing to nurse the problems that you have and wonder why God hasn't come through for you. Be wholehearted. Come on, say, I'm going to be, I'm going to be wholehearted. Lord, reveal to us places of a divided heart that we might readily tear them down. We want to be like Caleb. The second thing that caused Caleb to to possess his promise and to overcome a 45-year delay is that he was a man of conviction. A man of conviction, you find that in verse 7. He brought back a report according to his convictions. See, in his mind, God was God. He was the part of the army of God, a chosen people. God did it all. He could do it again. In his mind, he knew that God would come through for him with a head that big on those giants. Man, he couldn't miss. He was going to conquer. He was going to overtake. He was going to do it. He had a conviction that God is good. His word is true. And it's going to come to pass for him and his kids. Give me my mountain. Give me my, give me my mountain. We can do it. That was his conviction. So he brought back a report according to his convictions, which were lined up with truth. There are many people that have no convictions. If you have no convictions and you'll just, you'll just be washed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, you, you, you'll, you'll settle for things, you'll, you'll be seduced into quick money schemes, you'll be, you'll be robbed and ripped off and aborted in, what, in the plan that God has for you. You've got to have convictions. I love years ago we opened a church in New Zealand. We opened that church in New Zealand, and, and it started flourishing and growing. And it came time for, for all those folks to meet Dr. Morocco, and it was, it was a church plant. And a lot of people started coming. Power of God was being poured out. So we had an opportunity for people to become formal members. And uh, so they invited uh, the group to come to sit through a three-hour course and learn about the church history and learn about doctrine and learn about the vision of the church and then to say through their commitment, that they were going to be in covenant with it if they wanted to. In other words, they were going to covenant with us to become formal members. How many of you know covenant's important? Say, yep, I'm in. My time, my talent, my treasure, I'm in. I'm going to be a part of this KC thing. I'm in. So, so they have this big meeting, and they go through the whole deal, and there was only one person out of 50 people that were committed Some of them went to other churches. Different people didn't really want to be there. They just wanted to go somewhere Sunday. Didn't want to really commit. And the one person that said yes had sort of an obligation, felt obligated to say yes because he had pushed the fact that we would plant a church there and all of that. And I will never forget as we made that decision and Dr. Bronco said, we're not, we're not doing this. We're, we're, we're not planting a church there right now. Maybe we'll do it later. And he said, let, let, me, let me say something to you all. I was in a staff meeting as almost 20 years ago. And he said, you do what is right. Everybody listen to me. And and I say to you, listen to what I'm about to tell you. You do what is right. And if somebody doesn't like it, they can stick it. 
You have a conviction to obey God's word. If people don't like that you, in fact, you obeyed, welcome to the club. There's only two or three people that like you anyway. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Have a conviction to do the right thing. And, and if there's going to be the people that don't like you, they don't like you anyway, many times. And, and I'm going to tell you something. When a God-given vision will separate the sheep from the goats. Praise God for those that were goats that became sheep. Am I the only one? <laughs> he was a man of conviction. He not only is a man of conviction, he, he wasn't wooed by the crowd. He didn't, he didn't get wooed by the populace. And those of you going back to high school, those of you in university, those of you in, in peer groups that pressured you to do certain things, don't, don't let them woo you into a place of disobedience. Separate yourself. Go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. Get full of the Spirit of God. Be a person of conviction. Be a person that wholeheartedly serves the Lord. And then when you show up, you can minister to them. If they don't like it, just back off and get to where you're celebrated again and then move back in as the Lord leads you. Come out from among them and be separate. Don't be under the delusion that everybody's going to like you. Everybody's going to like Jesus loves you. That's the only one you need, really. Well, we need each other to fellowship. He stood on God's promises. He stood on God's promises to him. You'll see this in verse 9, verse 10, verse 12. Just as the Lord has promised me. I believe that God has spoken to each and every one of us promises. I have some great and precious promises. I'm trying to memorize them in the word. 7,500 of them. That's a lot of scripture. I think it's going to take me the rest of my life, unless the Lord helps me do it quicker somehow. But if the promises are the basis by which we pray, I think we ought to know them. And he stands over his word to see it performed. You need to learn to pray the word, stand on the word, believe the word, declare the word. Got to know the word of God, right? He knew, he knew what God had promised him, and he wasn't going to be moved. He would not be moved. How do you deal with delay? Wholeheartedly follow the Lord. Come on, someone say wholeheartedly. Whole, don't, 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 don't follow him half-hearted. Well, maybe I'll go to church this Sunday, but maybe I won't. I don't know. Maybe I'll read my Bible. And maybe I won't. I'm going to pray. No, I'm going to watch TV. Listen, set some commitment in your heart. Set, set your calendar. Set some things that are not going to be moved. Come on, if you went to work like that, you'd get fired. Well, I think I'm going to go to work today. Nah. Right? Am I right? He was courageous. Joyce Meyer said, courage is moving forward in the face of fear. Do it afraid, she says. I love that. Do it afraid. That's courage. He was courageous. And he had a different spirit. He had, a, he had a different spirit. I, I shared this illustration. It's, it's not true as far as I know, but it's a good illustration. Two shoe salesmen were sent off to Africa. And one shoe salesman gets there. They were in two different places, two different territories. And one shoe salesman sends back a telegram, telegram and says, uh, send, you know, send finances for my soon return because nobody wears shoes here. There's no business to be had here. The other shoe salesman had a different spirit. The other shoe salesman sends a telegraph and says, send a whole container. They've not discovered the miracle of shoes. Everybody's barefoot. Send other salesmen. There's a huge harvest here. 
Two different spirits. Quit looking at your delay as something that you're being tortured by. Rise up, bind, loose, take authority. Listen, sometimes, sometimes it's a divine delay. Other times it's a demonic delay. Other times it's a delay because of our own character failure. Listen, I, I, I will pray. I bind that thing right now in Jesus' name. Amen. And Lord, if it's you, thank you, Jesus, that your time is perfect. Listen, sometimes I don't know how to pray. So I'll just pray. I bind, I loosen, and then I submit. I'm like, Jesus, I, I don't know. And until he gives you revelation, and like the Lord's like, yeah, it's both. There's a divine delay and there's a demonic one. Well, Lord, thank you for your delay. Devil, take your hands off the property. And then I'll pray in the Spirit. The perfect will of God praying through me. If you've not been filled with the Spirit, the evidence of speaking in tongues, contend for it. He'll make up some theological understanding to, to, uh, to excuse yourself from a, a tremendous gift that God's given you. Listen, don't, don't ever in your life create an insulation of faulty theology to, to, to protect your anemic lack of power. Oh, that's so good. I'm going to send that again. I'm going to say that again. Don't develop theological walls, false theology, to protect and insulate yourself from the truth where you have no power. In other words, if God's word says you have it, you can have it, but you don't, then don't make up some, some, tr- some faulty theology that, well, that must not be for me in the age. That was for the apostles. How about attack the place of lack in your life and begin to contend and believe for the word and see it be brought forth. How about, how, about, how about pray and press in and contend until you see that gift manifested, until you see the promise come to pass? You know, the other thing about delay, why, why would, answer me this question in your mind, why would, why would there be a delay for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Well, it wasn't a delay on God's side. But he said, wait and tarry until you're endued with power. So for 10 days, what happened to the 500 that saw Jesus ascend? And now we only have 120 in the upper room. What happened? I think 500, I don't know, do the math, 120 minus 500 minus 120s. Yeah, that, well, what are the 380 people? They'd be like, he must not be coming. And then they're, and they're gone. In Deuteronomy, he says, I led you into the wilderness that you would cry out to me, that you would hunger for me, that I would then feed you with manna. That's a profound statement. You see, if God says you can have it, you contend, you believe, you do not allow the enemy to move you from that until it comes to pass. And there will be times that you can wait 10 days and 380 people left. And you'll be just standing there wondering when it's going to come. And you can get discouraged and downhearted. And man, you just feel like you want to quit. But God has a divine timing for everything in your life. Yes, bind. Yes, loose. Yes, attack the places of, of lack. Attack the, uh, the places of the shortcomings in your character. Change those. Get committed. Push yourself away from the things that are robbing you. And then position yourself for the release of God and His promise. I think that's what Caleb did. He was wholehearted. He lived by his convictions. He had a different spirit. You know, you'll have a different spirit if you connect with the Holy Spirit. You know, we had the privilege of going to a place called the International House of Prayer. And, and uh, theologically, they're not lined up with pre-trib believers. 
You say, are you a pre-trib believer? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation. Eschatology is the study of the end things, which we're nearing at an incredible rate of speed. And somebody said, Pastor, are you a pre-trib? I said, well, it'd be great, but I'm really not sure. Are you mid-trib? I don't know. Are you post-trib? No, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I like what post-trib does for my heart. It just keeps you before the Lord, just hungry and thirsty. And I mean, I like that, but I just don't know if that's true. So which one is it? I said, I don't know. I'm pan. I'm pan trib. It's all going to pan out. I'm going to love God. He's going to work it all out. Any pan tribbers out there? If it's not pre-trib and you're a pre-trib person, you'd be seriously disappointed. There's tremendous arguments for pre-trib that my dear brother, Pastor Barry Haggerty has made to me numerous times, great scholar of the book of Revelation. I'm just not sure. We went to International House of Prayer. They're post-tribbers. Anyway, we went there. And we sat down in the power and the presence of the Lord. They've had a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week prayer meeting since 1999. So we sat down, and when I sat down, just all of a sudden, all of the concerns. I mean, I mean, I had a list. I mean, I, I, sometimes I feel like the guy in the Johnny Carson show spinning the plates. You know the plate spinner guy? He's got like 50 plates and he runs to everything and he gets get them all spinning and then you got to go back to the first one. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes my life feels like that. And as I came into the presence of the Lord, the Holy Spirit hit me. I began to just weep in the presence. Everything fell off. And as I sat there, I was just like, oh, God, thank you. And his spirit touched me, infusing my spirit, if I could say it that way. Ontologically, your spirit, God's spirit are different, but economically they can operate as one if you'll yield to him. Did you catch that? Your spirit is not the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit can feel you, touch you, and flow through your spirit. So when he touched me and filled me, every concern I had fell to the ground. And all of a sudden, with tremendous clarity, it was just like, one, two, three. I'm like, oh, that's it then. Praise God. Woo! You know, it's like every problem fell. When you're experiencing delay, you have to operate in a different spirit. Caleb had a different spirit. That spirit will come upon you. It's called the Holy Spirit. You need his, his government in your life. You need to operate and unite with him and allow him to move you forward and have peace like a river and joy like a fountain and allow to operate in a different spirit than someone who's frustrated or wringing their hands, worried, concerned. The results of keeping the vision and not being dissuaded. Here's the results for Caleb and there's results for us as I begin to bring this to a conclusion. When he embraced God's vision, when Caleb embraced God's vision, he got blessed personally. He said, what do you mean? He got what's called Hebron. And it was given to him and his children. He was blessed because he contended. It took 45 years. I don't know how long it's going to take for us to, to, to see our building completed. Like I said, I thought I'd be standing there with Pastor Alex and a choir of 150. And I'm, I thought that had happened already. So, so it didn't happen yet. Is it going to take 45 years? So help me God, no. Come on, somebody say amen. 
But the truth is, the God who brought this moon across the sun and blackened the place where I was standing in the middle of our country is absolutely in control. And if I will do my part, he will do his. And if I take authority over the enemy, he's underneath my feet. And I'm going to keep him there. And I'm going to do everything I can to do. I'm going to stay wholehearted. I'm going to live by my convictions. And though there might be a delay, it is not a denial. And God will fulfill the promise he said for you. And I'm telling you, God will fulfill the promise he said for us. And that building will be completed. And it won't be, it won't be the last building project we have either. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. You will inherit the land. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. The next generation became part of the vision. There's this guy, his name is Othniel. You know who Othniel is? He's the first judge. The first judge in the book of Judges. So after the book of Joshua, who knows what comes next? Judges. The first judge in Israel is Othniel. Othniel is the son-in-law of Caleb. You see, there's a generational, generational blessing that's passed on, and so many times we are myopic in our view of the way that our lives affect the next generation. Don't be confused. If you'll live for God and you'll sacrifice and you'll sow and you'll give of your time, your talent, your treasure, you live according to another spirit, you live by your convictions, you stay wholehearted, you keep contending and believing and praying and fasting, and you believe in that promise. Come on, the prophets of old, the, the, the men of old, the patriarchs, they saw the promise of far off. We're living in it. That promise, the fulfillment of it will be passed on to your children and your children's children should the Lord tarry. It ain't just about you. Slap yourself. If you think it's about you, just take your hand with exceeding force and hit yourself. Behind the, don't do it. It's, it's kind of a joke. It might help some, but... The next generation will become part of the vision, become part of the dream. See, there was peace, the land. It's a powerful verse of Scripture that the land rested from war. There's a peace. There's a peace that can only come from God. Toleration, tolerance doesn't bring peace. Tolerance, I said tolerance doesn't bring peace. Only God can bring peace. And the peace of God that passes our mind and hearts and mind in Christ Jesus and eliminates anxiety as we pray, that, that peace is released, predicated by our obedience and the Word of God. You can't have the peace of God with disobedience. You can't have the peace of God and be divided in your heart, divided in your mind. You can't have the peace of God except by the Lord and the Lord releases peace and he ends strife he ends those things that he brings about fulfillment there's a there's a place of peace there's a place of healing divine there's a place of joy I believe that God is speaking to us don't give up don't give up on the personal vision that God has given you. Don't give up. Don't give up on the orphanage. Don't give up on the orphanage, ma'am. Don't give up. Don't give up on the nations. Don't give up 
Don't give up on your marriage. Just reboot. Come on, reboot. Some of you need to just reboot. You ever have a computer that crashed? Come on, just start that thing back up. Reboot. Get back to basics. Lord, what did you say? Some of you are out of alignment and you're all disjointed because you're, you're, you're out of the plan. You, 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 you're on your plan. He doesn't stand over your plan to see it performed. He stands over his. Come on, just get back to some of you like, I haven't heard God's voice. Maybe you get back to the place of where you started disobeying. Then he begun to heal, hear, you know, you begun to hear him and obey. God has a plan. He has a plan for you. Personal vision, don't give up. Don't give. Lord, thank you. Come on, just lift your hands all across this place. discouragement go many of you discouraged you're like what the heck it should have happened you are the clay the Lord says I am the potter should the clay shout to the potter and say what are you doing only rebellious clay does that Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Yeah, my issue. Don't give up on the vision personally and corporately. Embrace the vision of this house. What is the vision of this house? To reach every single soul, to get thousands upon thousands of people saved. Yeah, the building's a part of it, but it's just a small part of it. Where the church is not a building. Church is people. What is the vision of the church? The same as it's ever been to, to fulfill the great commission, which has become the great omission in many places. The great commission is to reach the laws, to reach the nation, to disciple nations, to preach the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. Come on all across this place. Stand up on your feet. Just a moment longer and our service is over. Embrace the vision of the house. Embrace the transformation of lives. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come right now. Just break off discouragement. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we agree. Come on, lift your voice and agree with me. We agree today that the delay that the demonic delay that has been upon our property, upon our project, even upon our church, 
will not stand. We command this thing to be broken. Come on, lift your voice. We command it to be broken today in the name of Jesus by the power of the authority in Jesus' name. Lord, we submit to your timing, your plan, your strategy, but we command every assignment from hell to be broken. And we see that place finished with shouts of grace, grace to it. The shouts of grace, 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 grace to the capstone. Golden oil flowing. Great revival, great revival, great outpouring in the state of Alaska. Great outpouring in Anchorage. Great outpouring, God, from Barrow to Ketchikan and the Lush Islands. Every village, every people group reached. We declare it. We declare Alaska to hear the word of the Lord and be, to be saved. But we will fulfill our role, our part in it. In the name of Jesus. Lord, over the nation, over the United States of America, that America will experience a great outpouring. Like it was at the, at the, at the Reformation, Lord, the, the great outpouring, the enlightenment that took place at the turn of the end of the 18th, 1800s, 1700s, 1800s. Raise up, God, even Charles Finney's and raise up the Jonathan Edwards. Raise up, Lord, uh, dread warriors. Raise them up. Raise up those who push themselves away from time and tradition. Lord, raise up people that are wholehearted, people that will not live in compromise. Lord, raise up a people of conviction. Raise up a people of courage. Raise up world changers, God, even in our midst. I break off the spirit of the age off of this generation. I declare and proclaim mighty ones, mighty in the word that will rise in this hour. I declare those that will rise even with like a Nazarite anointing upon their life to preach, to pray, to prophesy, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children to the fathers. I pray release, release even the spirit of Elijah upon us in this hour. Release even a spirit of Elijah, God, to see a mighty harvest. We will see it. Break off apathy. Break off lethargy. Break off every assignment of the world. Lord, I pray a troubling to each and every one that rides the fence that they turn even in weakness to seek you with all their heart. Lord, that we would be a people with a different spirit, a different spirit to take the land, to declare your kingdom has come. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord all across this place. I break the hold by the power of Jesus' name. Every assignment of delay in Jesus' name. Therefore, I station some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall of the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords and spears and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome will fight for your families and your sons and your daughters and our wives and our homes. When the enemy heard that we were aware of their plot and that the God had frustrated it, 
We all return to the wall, each with their own work. For that day, on half of our men did he work, while the other half were equipped with spears and shields and bows and armors. The officials posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work. And one heard and held a weapon in one hand, and each of the builders wore his sword by his side as he worked. Amen. Okay. Father God, we thank you that you love Alaska. We thank you, Lord, that every word and every vision prophesied over this place will come to pass. We thank you, Lord God, that there will be an oil of heaven coming down from Alaska over to Russia and over in the lower 48. We thank you, God, that you are going to encourage us in this work. We thank you, God, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. We thank you, Lord, that you have equipped us each and every one lord that we will stand with a tool in one hand and a sword in the other that this is the inheritance for ourselves and our children and our children's children lord that we will make a place for captives to be set free that we will make a place for the blind to be restored that we will make a place for the lost to come home that this will be a church established by your hand and no weapon formed against it shall prosper come on put your hands together for jesus all across this place come on you can do a little better come on give a shout give a mighty shout to god great work come on pastor alex lead us Silence fear. You silence fear. A moment Jesus, longer. The service Jesus, is over. Lift your voice. You Come on, something's tremble. taking place in the spirit right now. Jesus, Come on, lift your voice and sing with all your heart. Sing Jesus, it to him. Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus. You silence fear. shadows can't deny in your name cannot be overcome your name your name is alive and forever lifted high your name in your name cannot be overcome Come your name is your name is alive that the shadows can't deny in your name Silence fear. Oh, in 
Your timing alone will bring to fruition every vision. Our property, the church, personally, our times are in your hands. We stand on that. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not right with God, don't you leave this place in that condition. There is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. Won't you give your heart to Jesus for the first time? If you want to do that at a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you've given your heart to him before and you need to recommit all across this place, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment. On the count of three, you want to give your heart to Jesus first time or make a recommitment on the count of three. Slip your hand up. One, two, three. Do it now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you all the way in the back. God bless you, sir. God bless you. See that hand. Thank you for your honesty. God bless you. Many times we'll invite you all to come up and make a public decision because we believe in making a public decision. I mean, if you don't, can't make a public decision here in front of people that really love God, it'll be very difficult for you to do it out there in front of people that don't love God. But for this morning, because I've gone just a little bit long, we're going to pray this prayer. You be sure to connect with Pastor Vince. Pastor Vince, would you raise your hand? And Pastor Vince, if you could have some of those cards out in the lobby and just make sure you connect with him or some of my staff, you let them know that uh, you gave your heart to Jesus. Let's go ahead and pray this prayer. Pastor Vince, would you wait for them out in the lobby just with some uh, roadmap to roadmap to happiness and foundation cards and all of that? Thank you. If that's you, you want to receive Jesus, you raised your hand or you didn't, you're online. Come on, just, just pray this right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. And come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Lift your hands as a sign of surrender. Holy Spirit, I pray. Fill, touch, and bless each and every one. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We praise you for it. Amen. I'm going to close and just bless you. Uh, don't miss tonight. I'm going to preach a special word tonight. You don't want to miss that. Wednesday. It's just off the chain here. We hope that you come and get involved and serve. If you don't have a home church, we'd love to be that for you. Again, remember, if this is your first time, make sure you come back two more times. You always want to give people a few chances, all right? All right, we're so glad you're here. Let me close and bless you. Father, thank you. Oh, and uh, if you receive Jesus, you just pick up one of those flyers from Pastor Vince and, and you tell him about that. And, and uh, get some of the foundation cards to Pastor Vince. Be sure to hand those foundation cards out to him. Father, we thank you for what you've done today. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us, God. Be gracious to us. Keep it. Give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. I hope to see you tonight or Wednesday. God's good. He's on the throne. The devil's getting defeated. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook 
and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.